The AI Optimist with Declan Dunn. Unfairness, bias. These negative words fill what we've been talking about on AI. Hey, ready for another AI Optimist? Well, this one's about four AI bias busters promising approaches to eliminate unfairness. And the beginning, you have to understand this, what's really going on with AI is actually it's teaching us a lot about our own communication, our own language. And for my focus, especially in business, bias, and honestly, the unfairness of the way that we communicate gets in the way of reaching customers. So let me, here's a, share a little truth with you. Bias is a trickster of truth and the source of so many challenges in AI. And I remember when I began really falling in love with ChatGPT, that first sort of magic time when you're entering something and you get this answer that is just so quick and so just appears in front of you, it's like magic. So I decided to go to my favorite set of bioscientists at a site called Bite Size Bio. And to prep for them, I wanted to show them how powerful this was and I said, can this work for science? So I searched for a term called flow cytometry, which is a particular thing that I don't even understand how it works, but I figured I'd show them some resources, some articles, and they'd be like, wow. But of course, I entered it in and I checked the sources that came up because one of the things we've taught you when you're looking at AI, chat GPT, and bias in general is always check your sources, right? So I checked it. Everyone fake, every single one, not one truth. Everything was empty. And the scientists, let's say the scientists are rather a deservedly cynical group. You've got to follow the scientific method. They could have been a little bit more impressed. Well, snap me out of my AI rapture, but it brought me to what we're talking about today, the positive ways that the whole industry is using to eliminate bias, maybe not completely, there's no 100%, but remove the bias that's actually inherent in our language, in the way we share things online. All of a sudden it's finding this. And the reason is humans, we data school AI systems. AI isn't magic. It takes what we've created and makes a prediction and humans are flawed. That's why focusing on AI fairness and ethics, it isn't about philosophy. It's about the practical impact of AI on society, business, and you. And what's amazing is it's actually bringing a discussion to business. Today, we're embracing this and understanding that it comes from our society, this bias, this unfairness, this skewing of examples I've shown you in the last pod is really based on our expression. And now we have to teach AI how to be a little bit better than we've been. And in the, in the same way, we're going to teach ourselves. So let's dive into the best practices, how to make it better, fairer, and more in tune with the diverse world we serve. So the basic need is you need a, let me give you a business example, because every time I've worked with people over the years, I always talk to them about thinking like the customer and a lot of them give me lip service and then just go back, isolate themselves from the customer, over obsess in their competition and make stuff up. They are creating their own bias. See, the first way to tackle bias in AI or anywhere is remember, it's like cultivating a well-balanced garden. After all, would you just grow acres of tomatoes? I mean, maybe you're a tomato fanatic. Is that all you would eat? Or would you plant 
lettuces, herbs, and fruits that apply to many people. Pretty obvious, right? So imagine if you're training AI in a business sense to understand customer sentiment, sentiment, but you're only using one demographic. You'd be missing out on the wide variety of the customer base. So aim for a broader, more inclusive range. And these words like diversity and equity and fairness and ethics and morality have sort of become generic outside of this discussion. And I want to sort of shatter that because these are meaningful, really meaningful to be able to proceed and get better AI so it doesn't eat us all as the fear goes, but also a diverse data set translates to AI understanding and responding to a broader range of human experiences. And as a business, you need to appeal to a broader range of customers. They're not all one thing. So that's good for customers and business and getting that balance, it's not easy. And let me tell you, bias can lead to inaccuracies and legal problems. The one thing I've done when implementing AI with businesses is we first have to look at, like, if you get a wrong answer and you share that with your customers, you could be legally liable. Well, think about those lawyers. There's a group of lawyers that went out, used ChatGPT, took the sources it suggested and put it in a brief they submitted to the court and none of them were accurate. I don't even know if they existed. Those people ended up losing their legal license. And it's really important to understand that if you use it for your business, you need to think of what the impact is and why needing it to be accurate and without bias is so important. It could lead you in the wrong direction. And that begins with diverse data collection. Now, how? You want to make sure you're using data that represents different kinds of people and different viewpoints. That sounds so obvious. Then why don't we do it before AI? And why is AI doing it while we're helping it? Example, let's say you're doing a facial recognition system. You want faces from various ethnic backgrounds, ages, and genders. And uh, let me tell you, if you've ever searched on an image generator, it skews so much towards white people. It, in the U.S. at least, it's crazy because it really hasn't been trained. And if something's dominant in the culture, AI is going to say, oh, that's that's what we're sort of, that's the model. And what's funny is it's not, and that's something we're learning. So we want to be sure to include data from underrepresented groups and adjust to remove skews towards dominating groups. The deal is you don't want to ignore the dominating groups, which is funny, but you also ironically are ignoring the underrepresented groups. And this doesn't have to be like it is in society. This could be just for your customers. It's so easy to focus on this little sector and forget the broad diversity you have. So doing this gives you an advantage, a wider audience. More data applies to more people, gives you a better understanding too. Fairness, make sure everyone's represented and it's ethical. The fact is diversity not only tends to lead to moral outcomes, it leads to better business, better inputs, it really is important to make this not a political statement, but really a core data system. It has to be diverse. And the disadvantages is sometimes it's hard to get that data on the groups that don't dominate. We're so focused on the big ones, we tend to miss the little ones. And they're not little at all. It's just the way our attention is focused, huh? The way our attention is focused. And an imbalance is not easy to achieve this, especially in AI, to get balanced data. That's really hard. It's something we're working on. I'm about to show you how they're doing it. And bias is subtle. It can be tricky. It's embedded in the data, in our language, and often in the very people evaluating it. So be careful you get what you ask for, because we need to be wise and look a little bit deeper. And remember, 
One of the ways that people have tried to remove bias, the simple method is so not good. They said, great, AI models are biased against race or gender. Well, let's remove that from the equation. It's like saying, hey, let's not see color. Let's treat everyone equally. Now, saying that sounds great. I wish the world was that way. But while it sounds fair, in action, in practical action, that's not how it works, both in AI and in the real world. A lot of times we're not even conscious. We're unconscious of our biases. And the more that I, you get to know your own bias, asking questions, then you can actually sort of step aside from your own bias and help AI answer your questions by asking it for an opposite viewpoint. As I asked, said in my pod about asking the right questions a little while ago, you've got to add different perspectives because what it does, it'll open up your mind. You'll get much better copy for your marketing, branding materials. You'll actually find that instead of living in an echo chamber, AI helps you get out of it if you get beyond your own bias. So remember, we can't just eliminate the biases. Remember that Amazon tried to take gender out of the equation of hiring? The fact is the language, the type of hobbies men and women had, the way they spoke about themselves, the words they use, like it or not, they were very gender specific. And, the, and the, actually the results were worse without having the gender in there. So we can't just eliminate that, nor could we in the world. So let's jump into the four solutions to removing AI bias. Number one is fairness-aware frameworks. This is huge. OpenAI has a whole blog post about how they're trying to create a fairness AI basically to check, to audit. In another example, the algorithms that bring out their answers, they want to have something that has a moral compass, that actually has it. In fact, the chief AI scientist at Meta, and if you go to the AI Optimist blog that goes along with this pod, Remember, I've always got a lot deeper details. Go there, take a read, scan a little bit. I've got a video on here. And this chief AI scientist in the debate said about Meta's, that's Facebook and Instagram's AI, they're designing it so they will have emotions. They will have empathy and they will be all things we require entities in the world to be if we want them to behave properly. This is how it's getting to ethics and fairness. Almost like if you're raising a child, remember I said that in the last pause? We're raising the AI child. That's what Jan LeCun, Meta's VP and chief AI scientist said. You can look at it in the video. It's really interesting. Emotions, empathy. Wow. You can actually bring that and that brings fairness. And when you put that in there, we can actually control this in AI. Try doing that in society. People's biases, the way they've been raised, their prejudices, their stereotypes, their experiences, their childhood. Oh my God, we're a mishmash. That's almost impossible. That's why you really try to be compassionate and nurturing and engaging with children to be able to help them reach their full potential, right? Well, I want you to think about your own business while you're thinking about what I'm sharing with you. Because being fair, a lot of times I've seen things in my career that have not been fair. And what's interesting is when we begin with fairness and we think about it, remember, there's algorithms I'm talking about in tech and data and AI. And then there's the behavior patterns that you have in yourself. I always equate to both because one of the things AI is teaching us about is our own biases and that all this comes from us. So one way they have is to pre-process data for fairness. And that means before you put the data into the algorithm, because remember a lot of people like to say, oh, the best data wins. I'm data driven. Hey, that's nice. Data is really great. But data alone has shown to be a bad model. 
We need to pre-process it. And that means curating the data, identifying and addressing biases. That's where we might create a separate little blender, for example, to, to use a metaphor that we put the data into so it's aware of some of the biases, stereotypes, prejudices, and says, wait, we need to remove these or at least mark them so aware of them as biases and find a way technically to engineer this out. But it requires a deep understanding of the potential biases and often assumes that unbiased data is available. And this is the scary part. All of this comes from content we humans have created and the biases are deep. So assuming unbiased data is really hard right now. Isn't this a lesson to us all? Do you see what it's opening up our eyes to ourselves? Okay, so it's not easy to do, but and none of this is, and it's expensive. But boy, when we do it, what's gonna come through might be something better than we've ever been able to deal with that helps check our bias. A second way we get fairness is called ensemble learning. So there's multiple models involved in training. Remember there's data and then the training teaches us how not to be biased, identifies biases, hopefully. Well, ensemble methods take multiple models and combine their outputs for more balanced and accurate prediction. So one AI might find this and another might find that, now we balance them and say, oh, wait, here's the outputs, here's this strengths, here's this one's weaknesses, and it helps. It's like getting multiple perspectives. So it balances out individual biases in the model and often improves performance. Again, and the same answer is going to come up over and over. It's expensive and adds complexity. That's just the way it is. So is human society. So like in a language translation service, if you used an ensemble learning, you could have one that used one dialect or style and one that used another, like in England, you have Cockney accents, you have Northern England accents, you have somebody from London, from Wales. These are different accents, right? So maybe we involve those models to give a better translation into the English language, because the way somebody says it in one part of the UK isn't the way it is said in, in another. Now that's an oversimplification, but it's important. Another one for fairness, adversarial training. So you have two basic AI models that are sort of opposing and they detect and counteract each other's biases. It's like having one extreme opinion or another. One network tries to make fair predictions while the other tries to find the biases. That's its purpose. So it's adversarial, but this is a great way, by the way, to do this for yourself and business. Always challenge with the opposite assumption. It's so powerful because we love to get locked in on what we love to do. Stop creating echo chambers. What it's doing is saying an adversarial, we're going to bring this in once again, computationally intensive and complex, but boy, what a lesson we're going to learn when we get through this. And then transfer learning for fairness. Transfer learning involves models pre-trained on a large diverse data set. Then they're fine-tuned for applications and existing biases in the pre-trained models might transfer to the new application. So this approach is limited to where fair pre-trained models are available which is pretty scarce now, but as we get these more and more, those improved models will help the other ones improve and provide a check and balances, all right? So number two, another two way, and then number two, AI bias buster, reviewing AI, audits, analysis, and what I'm calling explainability. Getting inside the black box, a lot of times right now, even the top data scientists don't really understand how the outputs are coming. They don't understand this amazing math that then AI takes and does in extreme levels. 
So explainability seeks to make that decision process making transparent so we understand how it made the decision. It provides a lens to inspect and correct biases, and it's useful for compliance. But achieving explainability, again, is challenging because right now we haven't really figured out. We just let it do its thing, but now we need it and we're finding ways to have it tell us. So like in a content recommendation algorithm, explainability ensures the model doesn't prefer content based on controversial or sensitive features like political affiliation or gender, right? So it's very important. We also have analysis. Now, one of these ways is these techniques called post hoc analysis. They look at the data after it's done, analyze a model's decisions to identify and correct the bias. They adjust the outcomes rather than the model or the training data. Now, the benefits are it's really quick to deploy, but it solves a problem after the fact and might introduce other errors. Still, the point is you should be doing this too, examining what you've done. If you made a decision, Take an open mind and analyze it after the fact, and don't try to sell yourself that it's right. Be a scientist. Try to prove yourself wrong. Finally, audit algorithms. Auditing algorithms inspect these models for bias. They run in real time, flagging predictions, bias predictions. They're excellent for monitoring, but it doesn't remove the underlying bias and requires manual adjustments. But still, this is a way that we improve it. All right, bias buster number three, interpretability navigating the complex landscape of bias. AI models make decisions based on patterns and relationships on massive amounts of data. And as we're unsure about how outcomes happen, making those AI decisions harder to interpret if we don't know how it happened, right? The explainability. So they're looking at two methods. One is called rule extraction to understand the underlying decision-making process by estimating its behavior with human readable rules. So while this is a little bit complex, I'll go through it quickly. Basically, there's techniques like uh, decision tree-based models. They take the rules directly outside of the paths from the code. Sensitivity analysis. Noticing small changes in input features affect the output. You create rules capturing the model's decisions, where it makes that decision. I've seen this done in imagery. When it's looking at an image, they study each place that the model makes its decision of what an image is going to be. And it allows you to see the world as they're doing it. And those rules help us understand a little bit better because we encourage AI to make it up. But now we also want to encourage it to tell us the rules so we understand them. And the last one is neural network rule extraction. And that's a really fancy way by breaking down the network into a more interpretable structure and translating that structure into rules. So the extracted rules make understanding why a model does what it does a little bit better, helps us debug, and also with compliance. Legally, a lot of this stuff is going to be involved in legal compliance. The other way to do this is called intention mapping. This is just a really deep rabbit hole, so I'll keep it simple. Attention mechanism is where it focuses its attention, and this is very math-driven and engineering, so it's not as simple as human attention word I'm saying to you, but where it pays attention tells us a lot. So for example, translating the sentence, the cat sat on the map, an attention map, this is how the AI looks at it, might show that the word sat is strongly associated with cat and mat. That's where they group words together. You hear these called tokens, where often two to four words that often appear together are put into a token. The model pays attention to those relationships to understand the context. If words are related, that gives us an idea of the meaning and how it applies. So attention maps are really huge because 
AI has a really deep level of attention in the way it's looking at things and what it pays attention to and what it discards, what it doesn't seem as relevant. And that is where bias can come through sometimes. This helps us in debugging, interpretability, and feature importance that help us understand what features, words, tokens are essential for particular tasks. So finally, the last AI bias buster is ethics, the quest for algorithms. And really, like Ramsey Brown, CEO of Mission Control puts it in his job is, can I line up the jobs to be done, the safe way to do them with automated governance and compliance with the laws that are emerging to get the job done? We want AI to understand respect people, but to do this, we need to develop trust. So you got to think of an ethical guide at the beginning as a checklist for building AI that does good, not harm. When we build AI the right way, it's not just about avoiding mistakes. We're creating technology to make life better. It's showing us a lot of what we do wrong, and it should fit in anywhere, in any culture. This is really hard to do because right now the U.S. is different than U.K., than China, than India, as I've told you again and again. How do we get a shared ethics and morality? This is what's so I love about this. It's actually going to penetrate our lives because it's making us think the way that we interact with each other is sort of silly. So ethical guidelines. In the beginning, if you're creating AI, even if you're just bringing in your business, set a rules or principles your team agrees to follow so it doesn't harm, doesn't discriminate. It doesn't look too deeply into customers' back pocket like surveillance. It asks for permission because as much as it's easy to sort of skirt around it, it always leads to problems. Bias audits, check the AI models, see if they're biased, just like I was talking with you in several of the AI bias busters. They're checking to see if there's bias, watch it, check it. This will really help improve it. So when you're for an AI sorting job applications, make sure it's not favoring certain groups like Amazon found it was favoring men over women and it adapted and changed that. This is part of auditing. Transparency, we're working on how, learning how AI is making the decision so we understand it. So it doesn't just go all Terminator on us, that we actually know what's going on. Ethical reviews, having diverse teams come in, like if somebody's doing a health diagnostic AI, not only bring in medical experts, doctors, ethicists come in, maybe even patients. This kind of diversity gives us a much more better perspective and oh, I wish you could bring this to business. Take the same approach as we're doing with AI to remove its bias, to remove your own, because this is where bias comes from. Privacy protections. We need to build things that allow users to have privacy. So like in a voice activated assistant like Siri or Alexa, allow users to delete their conversation history. Maybe allow it not to be shared with businesses, which isn't always done right now because businesses are the ones regulating themselves. Remember that pod from a while back? Take a listen. So the key elements to remove bias and create AI. Okay. At this point, the cynical mind probably saying, this all sounds good, but can we do it? I've never seen it done before. I love this. Like humanity assuming that all we've done is so bad that all we can keep doing it is so bad. Are you kidding me? The world we're in right now with personal computers when I was growing up wasn't even, was a fantasy. IBM said, we're just going to create 12 computers to run the world. You don't know how different it is and what's happening in the next 10 years and in younger generations growing up, you're not even going to recognize the world when you're my age. Love that. Remember, we're the teachers here. AI is learning from us. We got to ensure it's fair and unbiased and it's teaching us to be fair, un to be fair and unbiased. 
Technology serves humanity if we follow ethical guidelines. This is what you're seeing. This is what gives me great hope in the AI industry. And the best part, we've got the tools. We're scrubbing out these biases. Yes, it's sloppy. Yes, you're going to get weird answers, but these are not pie in the sky. They're practicable, actionable ways to guide our tech to serve all of us, not just a few of us. That's what's so important because the fear of AI is at the heart, the fear of what people would do with this power. Well, AI didn't grow up to take over the world or have power. It's being guided to serve us. And that's where I think people love to project what they would do if they were AI. Humbled by the threat, we imagine a world where these threats don't happen because AI bias is a symptom of our problem. And by working on eliminating this bias, we get to know ourselves a little bit better and become aware that AI bias is a reflection of our society. One we can change with a little bit of help from AI and international cooperation. It is possible. So the basics are simple. Accept responsibility as a society. The bias AI shows us as a mirror. Change the reflection. We need diverse training data. Diversity means when you hire people, when you work with people, you don't want people that all agree with you. And you want to create a positive way we can communicate this and not set up this antagonistic, I'm right, you're wrong. If you're really acting in the scientific method, your job is to prove yourself wrong, which is very humbling and also doesn't make you try to prove yourself right. We need audits. We have to audit AI. Fairness aware algorithms. Look at open AI. Look at Google. Look at the governments trying to do this. China's doing this and everyone's so scared of them. They actually have an awareness of how unfair this can be. Transparency, transparency and interpretability. We need it to be transparent. We need to understand how it works. Ethical guidelines, keeping humans in the loop, a legal framework so organizations are liable for biased outcomes. They can't just say, oh, we just did it, like Facebook using its algorithm to manipulate us as ad units. If you see it, this has been proven. It's caused huge damage and addiction. Let's keep, you know, humans in the loop. We need to be able to remember that it's serving us and that's impact on people matters, not just the bottom line to business. This isn't a diss at meta. This is a learning we've all had. Legal frameworks mean they're liable. Anyone's liable. Diversity in AI development and make global standards. So with that, I'll leave you with a thought. If bias is in us, what if we could go to a place where bias no longer happens? Well, this is the place we're going. And I'm walking with you there as the AI Optimist. The AI Optimist. My name's Declan, and I'm done. See you next time.